Hello, this is Yaro, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Nicola Lees. My guest today is Nicola Lees, coming to you live from London, which you'll be able to tell from her accent. She is the founder of TV Mole, and I brought her on to this podcast because she took my blog mastermind program, so that's always great <laughs> for obvious reasons. But she she makes money from her blog without actually asking or selling anything directly, which is really interesting. She derives an income from speaking and selling things, but there's no actual obvious pitches for this on her blog. Her blog is kind of like making the sale, but very, very soft, and people contact her to then hire her and, and buy things from her. So uh, she's making a full-time income from it. So it's I think this is a great example case study for anyone who's out there with an expertise or a specialization to show you that a blog can really be the gateway to a thriving business simply by demonstrating your expertise uh, through the blog as a, a content distribution platform. So, but let's find out how Nicola does that. So Nicola, thank you for joining me. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So can you just clarify what I said there? Like uh, you do make a living indirectly from your blog and what is your topic area? So um, my background um, was uh, as a TV producer um, and specifically a TV producer who um, doesn't actually produce TV, but um, my my job was to develop new television shows, uh, to research them, to write the proposal and then to pitch, um, pitch those ideas to broadcasters and then when and if they were sold, then I would step away. Somebody else would go on and make the show and I would continue developing more ideas and pitching again. And um, what my it's a very niche area. When I started about 10 years ago, it wasn't really recognised as a specialty in its own right. Um, and I was really passionate about this particular area of expertise and felt that it um, was very unrecognised and um, undervalued. And that, in fact, it had a very distinct um, skill set, different from the people who actually make TV, which wasn't really recognised. So um, I set up the blog partly um, to for people like me who wanted to work in this area, but um, for whom there was no training, nobody ever taught me how to do this job. Um, so it was all trial and error. So basically, I wanted to build a resource that people like me could go to to stop and making the mistakes that I made and to stop people having to reinvent the wheel every time, you know, they, they started a job. Um, so essentially it's a, it's, a, it's a very niche resource for people who specifically develop factual television ideas, so unscripted. So um, that's anything from maybe entertainment shows through to serious documentaries, so not drama, not comedy, but anything that doesn't have a script attached to it. And the idea of the site is that you can go to the site and in one place, wherever you are in the world, you'll get a really good snapshot of um, current industry trends, what's been commissioned recently, um, who the key players are, um, so who's been hired and fired, which is always important when you need to pitch to them, um, alongside other, you know, uh, flagging up, uh, sources of training, pitching opportunities, funding opportunities for people who are trying to fund their own shows, and also um, how-to articles, you know, how to pitch, how to write a proposal. So it's kind of a one-stop shop for a very niche specialty mm. area. And how exactly do you make money from it? 
Well, I don't make money directly from the site, but I, um, so I do, I have a couple of um, freelance, so I'm basically freelance, so I have a couple of regular freelance jobs that I've had for a few years now, which, um, so both of them are in fact not about developing ideas, they're about developing talent, but um, the people um, came to me because they knew me from TV Mole. And they liked what I was doing and they liked the fact that it was, um, I guess, you know, very much about giving information to enable other people to do their best work, you know, rather than, I guess, selling a service or something. Um, so that's kind of slightly on a tangent, but it's more directly related to development. I have people coming to me to ask me to do, um, you know, come into their company for a few weeks or months to maybe cover maternity leave of one of their members of staff who you know does development and they just want me to step in and take over for a little while or at the other end just go in for a day and do some you know strategy about whether they're developing the right kind of ideas whether they're developing the right kind of ideas for their company the things that are most likely um to be successful in terms of being pitched or to do brainstorms with companies just you know they've got their own ideas and they just want somebody with a fresh eye and a neutral <laughs> neutral background to come into their existing team and just help them work work through some new ideas. Um, I also increasingly get asked to go and um, speak at conferences or chair panels. So in the last few weeks, I've been to Las Vegas, where strangely I was asked to um, speak at a conference which was all about tiles and stones, as in <laughs> interior design, which um, that was perhaps the most unusual request. But that that um, talk was about how the title of the talk was um, how do I get on TV? So that was for people like interior designers, architects, and contractors who might want to you know be on a makeover show or act as a, a show host. And then last week I was in um, Poland um, in Krakow uh, for a week, kind of um, part of a development workshop. So about twenty different filmmakers came, pitched their ideas. Um, we fed back to them like on a Dragon's Den panel um, and then we worked one-on-one -on -one with them over the course of the week on their pitch and their, their story and then by the end of the week they had to pitch to 20 commissioning editors from around Europe you know for funding or money so that's kind of quite high stakes so so that's all great fun because I get to do lots of different things and then more recently I've had and this is a surprise to me because again I'm not you know asking you know selling this as a service people are approaching me on a one-to-one -one basis asking for consultancy so perhaps you know working with somebody over a period of weeks um on how to write proposals or um um or how to develop very specific ideas so i had somebody who was an assistant producer who wanted to get a job in development but she had a bit of a phobia about <laughs> proposal writing which is a problem because that's what the job's about so I was able to work with her over about six weeks um, and by the end of it she was able to write a proposal within about an hour with some confidence so that was great so it, it's still evolving I've been going for five years now and it's still evolving and what's great is that the work comes to me and it all feels very organic mm. and natural mm. um, yeah so you're, you're like a consultant coach speaker and you're getting paid for all these things and they're all yeah. different and they're all dynamic but they're all related to your your expertise and you know what I love about this is you just started a blog shared your knowledge and you let the market decide how you'd get paid for it which is yeah. really cool 
<laughs> and you make yeah. a full-time living from that too. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'd love to know how this all came about. So um, you, you're obviously, you've been involved in the industry for a long time. Um, take us back in time. You were born and raised in London, and you, did you go to some sort of film school or, or script writing school or something, production school? No. Um, I was actually born in Manchester, which is in the northwest of England. And um, right from the age of four, um, I wanted to be a nurse. And so at the age of 18, I went to nursing school and I was a nurse for 10 years. <laughs> um, so I, I specialised in accident and emergency nursing. Um, so I didn't go to university at all originally. Um, and I did accident and emergency nursing. Um, uh, and then I was, I was kind of disillusioned pretty quickly, actually, <laughs> within about three weeks of starting my training, but hung in there. Um, but after 10 years, I apply, on the spur of the moment, I applied to go to, to, to be a volunteer medic on an expedition, um, which meant that I ended up in um, Patagonia, in Chilean Patagonia, for three months. Um, and that was really the break that I needed because I, as I was nursing, I was in a situation where I was only mixing with other medical people and, you know, you're always told that that's a job for life and it's very secure and you know, you're doing a good job and all that. But I wasn't finding it um, very fulfilling for various reasons, but didn't feel able to leave. Um, but having made this break to, to be this volunteer medic, suddenly I, I started thinking, well, this, you know, there are lots of other things that I could do because at this point on the expedition, I was mixing with people who were sound engineers and music studios and journalists, and they were working for, you know, big consulting companies. So my, my eyes were kind of open to the possibilities, but I had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, so I thought I should maybe go to university um, on the basis that I'd probably get a better paid job if I had a degree. And just ended up taking um, uh, a media with cultural studies degree, not because I particularly wanted to work in the media, but just because it was very broad, um, arts-based um, degree. And I'd always liked English at school. And I just wanted three years to, you know, explore that academic side without being funneled into being an accountant or a doctor or, you know, a lawyer. Um, so that's what I did. And I really enjoyed myself and came out of it still not really wanting a career in the media, but not having any idea what I wanted to do. And moved to London and signed on with a temping agency. And the first job I got was um, a day answering the telephone at the BBC. Um, and that day turned into 10 years. <laughs> as, <laughs> as I kept saying I don't want to work in television, but they kept you know, extending my contract. And during those 10 years, I started off um, doing an office job, and then I was an assistant to an executive producer. And then I worked on some shows, um, mostly science and history programs. But still, I knew that this wasn't really me. I, you know, I, I'm not a director. I don't want to make films. Um, but then I, I found myself um, between jobs, because I was employed by them, between jobs, you, you kind of got put in this place called development that nobody wanted to work. And it suddenly all clicked for me. I thought, this is what I really enjoy. I enjoy researching lots of things, learning about, you know, subject areas that I didn't know anything about, doing it really quickly, um, being able to condense that down into something that you know, has a very clear narrative, writing a proposal and then pitching it and doing that, you know, every day, different different things every day, juggling lots of different proposals. 
So I found my niche and as much as they tried to dissuade me that this was not a job career, <laughs> um, I, I persisted and I went up through the ranks from being a very junior researcher to eventually um, being the head of science development at the BBC, so developing all the big BBC landmark series that ended up going all around the world. And within that time, I also spent two years working in New York, developing shows still for the BBC, but um, pitching them to all the different cable networks in the US. So I had, a, by the time I came back, I had a really good understanding of the US, which, you know, has since very much paid off. Um, and and then after 10 years, the, the BBC was making a round of redundancies, as it tends to do <laughs> every couple of years. And I felt that the time was right for me to leave. Um, again, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I left... Um, took myself off to New York to do an editing course because although I don't like the middle production bit where you're actually filming, I do like editing where you're pulling all the story together and making it all make sense. Um, and whilst I was doing that course in New York for six weeks, I, I also signed up for an online um, book writing course without really thinking what the heck I was going to write about because I didn't have an idea. Um, it was just something, you know, it was just something to, to challenge myself with because writing a proposal, we're, we're always trying to fit it into one page. You're always trying to be really succinct. So the idea of writing a book was just a challenge. They so could I write more than 200 words. Um, and then by the time I came back from both of those courses, I had 70,000 words in this book, um, at which point I thought maybe I can write a book. Um, so I, I slightly got distracted from my my editing ambitions and thought I'll write a, a book proposal which again I'd never done before and they're very different from TV proposals and they're, they're about 25 pages long um, sent off the proposal thinking that'll be it I can put it in a drawer now and um, I had a response from an agent within 24 hours which I think is pretty unprecedented yeah. um, <laughs> partly because partly it's just very good timing she knew that um, there was a publisher who was looking for TV related books at the time so the book I had written was about how to develop and pitch tv ideas so again very much related to my area of expertise and so then that took me off I got I got a publishing contract pretty quickly um so I wrote the book and the mantra was always you'll never be successful as an author if you don't have a platform and, and I'd never even heard of a platform at that point um so you know, even as I sent off my my proposal to the agent I was thinking you know maybe I need to get a platform so I think I, that was in no October or November time and I think that's probably when I joined blog mastermind because I you know I I hadn't ever had a blog before um but I was aware that you know a platform probably involved a blog of some description so I signed up for blog mastermind how did you find me Nicola I actually have no idea I don't remember I'm <laughs> always because because of my job I'm always signed up to lots of different um newsletters that's part of my job mm. is scanning newsletters and looking at trends and maybe i should ask why did you choose me then um oh, I, do you know what I, I still i can't remember maybe because um uh i, I honestly i don't know i think i must have come across and looked at your site and you know looked at all your materials and thought that it was you know perfect moment for the you know perfect type of course for what I needed and I, I, I rather than I think I'm better at online than going in person to a class mm -hmm. um, just because I can work um, you know as and when I've got time rather than have to turn up on a specific date 
So I think that probably appealed on the online aspect. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. So you joined Blog Mastermind, and did you just obviously you were going to start a blog to create the platform for this new book you yeah. were creating, right? So what did you do next? Did you just follow the instructions, set up WordPress, or try and find a domain name you liked and all that? Yeah, I started completely from scratch. I didn't know any of that. So I completely followed step by step through the whole process. Um, so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm with HostGator, which is what you were recommending at the time, and went with WordPress, which is what you recommended. So completely, you know, colored, you know, Join the dots exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm I'm very good at following instructions, and I followed them to the letter. So I remember over that Christmas, I was writing my my um, my pillar articles. Um, that's what I spent that Christmas doing, um, with a, a a launch date in mind for January, and I got myself in um, quite a technical mess <laughs> with my with my WordPress site and I'm not still not quite sure how but I ended up hiring somebody to try and sort out the mess that I've made um in technical terms but once but you know in terms of content I was quite happy and I was very reassured actually and I this is what I tell people when I'm coaching them as well now that you know it was all about don't worry about about it being perfect you know you have you know five or ten pillar articles that you start with so you've got content for people to come come to and then you know, you keep building it and you keep refining it based on the feedback that you get. Um, and that's very much the way it's been since then, I, I guess. Mm. So you, you published these, these pillar articles, so this foundation blog content. Did you notice that people just discovered you straight away? Like how did the actual traffic growth come to you and did you actually market yourself? No, I did, I have, I've never marketed myself. Um, when I was working in New York for the BBC, I was asked to send, you know, market intelligence back to the team back in London. And so I started writing, it's just a Word document, but it was things that as a foreigner in in the States that I was just noticing, so cultural things that were slightly different, things that were on TV that were different, um, trends on television that I thought might be interesting for the people back in the, in the UK to know about. And it's a very simple Word document with links to, you know, articles and things. And I, as far as I knew, was emailing it back to a team of six people in the development team in London. When I got back to London two years later, I discovered that this thing had gone viral and uh, was going to, you know, the head of BBC Scotland and to the people in publicity and the children's department and commissioning editors um, and all kinds of people who, had I known, um, it would not have been the same newsletter because I would have censored it a lot more than <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was clearly popular and, when, and, it, and I continued doing it every month. So, so um, wait a sec, was this part of your blog or this is before your blog? This is before my blog. Okay. This is just something like, I was doing, you know, at work mm -hmm. but it wasn't really part of my job spec it was just something that people found interesting so when I was leaving the BBC I sent a final email saying you know goodbye this is the last one and I had a flurry of panicked people emailing me saying you are going to continue doing this aren't you um, at which point I said no I'm not because I'm leaving but then when I was thinking about the blog I thought actually I've already got a ready-made market there of all those people so I went back and found you know the email addresses that I thought so the only marketing I ever did was when I on the day I launched was to send any e send an email with a link to the blog to the people who are on that original mailing list mm. there's a tip there's, 
So I just want to say there's a tip for anyone listening who's currently in a job, start a newsletter to your fellow employees getting ready to leave and then you can send them to your blog when it starts. It's clever. Yeah, Yeah, you So, and then since then, it's completely been word of mouth. So that the point of the blog is um, that there's a, again, following Blog Mastermind, um, I set up an Aweber uh, newsletter. So it's just a, blog broadcast so anything that is posted on the blog um is automatically sent out in a in an email newsletter and it goes out on a monday morning to arrive in people's inboxes for when they start work on a monday the the idea being that you know you start work on a monday morning you're not quite awake yet you want to ease yourself into the work week but you know perhaps by reading emails or you know, a cup of coffee. And I thought if I send this on a Monday morning, people can just scan through what's been commissioned and they, that will set them up for the week with a bit of useful content, but nothing too right. strenuous. Right. How, how many subscribers um, do you have now? Well, now I have about, um, and again, this is all down to you about the subscriber thing. I think I've got about 3,500 subscribers. Um, In a very small niche, right? Which isn't huge, but I... Uh, you know, I get about a sixty-five percent open rate on that. So, well, it's, and your market is probably, you know, what there's ten thousand people in the entire industry, probably in the, in the planet, right? Uh, yeah. Well, in in that niche, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, small but very, um, you know, very dedicated. And I know that it's word of mouth because every Monday, that's when um sign ups peak i always get a flurry of people joining the mailing list on a monday so it's obviously people saying have you seen this you should you should sign up to it passing it on to their colleagues um uh, so so that just continues and it grows every every um every month by a small amount i have a similar number of followers on twitter as well which is which i don't quite know why it's the same numbers but it tends to be the same numbers um and the only thing i'm noticing is the demographic is slightly changing in that my main readership is, you know, obviously in in uh, the UK, Los Angeles, and New York, as you might expect. But over the last few years, I've actually, oh, probably the last year or eighteen months, I've really noticed that um, a lot of subscribers are coming now from Africa, mm. which is really interesting um, because that's not really a part of the world that you know people in TV and. and in the UK and the US really think about, but there's clearly a big appetite in Africa. So can you explain, because this sounds like, you know, like you said, paint by numbers, following what I teach in Blog Mastermind, set up the blog, you registered tvmole.com, yeah. set up a newsletter, which just sends your blog posts in your case, and yeah. people are sharing it because yeah. it's it's relevant. Now, I know you, you were taking my program and you said you didn't even really reach the part where I talk about setting up ways of making money because people started like asking you to, I'm assuming, to hire you. Can, can you remember the, the very first time this happened? Did someone just reply to your newsletter and say, hey, can I hire you to do something? Was that what happened? Um, do you know, I don't really remember. I was working religiously through all the different um, sections of Blog Mastermind. Uh, and I just, I, it, it may have actually been that at that point my book contract kicked in and I had to concentrate on writing the book rather than doing the blog. So I was, I think I was, I was probably maintaining the blog at that point, you know, 
uh, on a weekly basis, but not doing a lot of really original content because a lot of the content comes from press releases and it's industry industry intelligence. So I, a lot of it is about curation rather than writing original content. So once I got the key pillar articles up, um, it is more about maintenance whilst I was writing the book. But I think maybe the next point came when the book was published, um, maybe a year later, because then I then I could start. Um, publicising the book on my blog. I wasn't allowed to sell it for my blog because, in fact, I had to get a special clause in my publisher's contract because they didn't want me to have a blog at all in the end. Wow. Because I wow. <laughs> thought it would be competing. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they weren't very familiar with the world of blogs at that point. Um, so, um, and that was kind of the purpose of setting up the blog in the first place. But by then, it was, you know, it was supposed to be a companion piece to the book, but by then it was it was his own thing um and then once the book was up there i think people then started seeing me as an expert and that's when i started getting requests i Mm. think such a great combo i love that having a book having a blog having a newsletter that that is the perfect formula for anyone with expertise it's a platform just like you said at the beginning and and how you can then make a living from this is uh, like in your case can be all kinds of different ways that you know, it's not advertising. It doesn't have to be selling information products. It can be traveling around the world, speaking at events or getting hired to come in for a weekend or not a weekend, maybe a, a day to work for another company and, and help them. It's amazing what you get to do. And of course, your industry is a little bit unique like that. I'm, I'm sure not all industries are so dynamic, but the principle is the same. So can you maybe explain to us uh, in terms of what you've done and, and what you've built, do you find that there's anything you can think of over you know the past few years that you've been running this platform that certain things have worked really well, especially when it comes to getting paid work? Like, is there a certain type of content that seems to trigger jobs or... You know, it's funny because you never actually send out an email saying, hey, I'm available to hire or write a blog post to do that. So it's, I know it's a little bit unorthodox, but can, do you know of any correlations you can think back over that have led to work? Well, I, I guess going back to your original question, what was the first paid work? Um, I, I think actually that was, <laughs> uh, ironically, it was one of the trade magazines contacted me to ask me could they use my blog content on their blog um to which I said no because I think think they wanted that for free um but it turned out that they were also organizing um an industry conference um which I I somehow negotiated that I would organize their conference for them so organize all their panels which was you know I I had I'd never organized conference panels before but because of all the people I'd interviewed for my book and because of the profile I had through TV Mole that gave me the authority to approach really high you know industry figures and I had great contacts so I was able to do that um and what that that's what's interesting about all the different things I'm doing each one you know builds extra contacts or extra insights that I can use in another job, which, you know, it all goes around in a virtuous circle, I guess. Um, so, so that was the first one. Um, and then I guess there's one pillar article that I wrote right at the beginning. And that has been the one that gets consistently the most, um, the most hits uh, and all the, co- all the comments 
uh, and that was one about how to write a proposal. So it's just a, it was a list um, post with you know ten ways, ten, ten you know ten things you need in your in your TV proposal, and that has been the one that that everybody has has, has you know flocked to. Mm. So on mm. the basis of that, when I was thinking about how I how I might monetize this further, um, I set up an online course a, about a year ago, I think, via a platform called Skillshare. And that was based on that post. So I expanded it into like a multimedia um, course with um, downloads and videos and, and what have you and you know, charge for that course. Okay, so you, you do have a, a, a digital training program as well as a blog. Yeah, that, that's quite a recent, a recent addition. And it's, not, it's kind of not within the blog itself. It's on a separate platform. Which I would like to work out how to do that within the blog, but I haven't managed yet. Do you sell it from the blog in any way? Um, there is a link to it. Okay, so you guess, do have one selling aspect on yeah. the, uh, one little link. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, I, I'm, okay, when you uh, talked about that pillar post, when you said people, like, it gets the most hits, do you find you get a lot of traffic from Google? Um, I think I do. Uh, to be honest, I, when I was doing the Blog Mastermind course, I was, you know, looking at the stats all the time, and I haven't looked recently. And in fact, I looked just before I talked to you, and I don't understand Google Analytics anymore because they, <laughs> they changed the dashboard, and I couldn't work out where I was. Um, I, I think I do, but um, to be honest, um I think the people I get from Google are probably not the people I want. Um, I know that you know I've, I've had you know like business mentoring and so on, and they're always about you know you need to expand your reach and all this. But actually, I, my heart always sinks slightly when somebody signs up to my newsletter and they say that they're an actress or a pastor or something because I know that they're not going to be <laughs> interested in content because it is so niche and so specific specific <laughs> uh, and and so you know i sometimes get people who are coming because they want to find out what's going to be on television next week and that's not right not about. so so those you know google isn't really my friend um again it's it's about personal recommendation to the right kind of people who that's you know, interesting understand it yeah yeah that's interesting that's unusual most people on some level, rely on Google, and maybe you're getting a, a tiny bit of targeted audience from it. But like you said, it's the referrals that the people in your industry to other people in your industry that matter the most. And and yeah. and I guess that's the most important question. Then, so you, you said when you send your newsletter, that triggers more people, obviously, sharing the newsletter. Yeah. Do you have any advice for for the listener who? really wants to encourage word of mouth and referrals you know what's what's worked the best for you since it doesn't sound like you're you know you're you're not forcing it are you? you're not asking people please share this no. they're doing it organically so is it a case of just really being on the current trends and being a thought leader and really like you said you curate content so you go and find the topics related to your industry collect them and then share that information with your audience yeah. Is is that really the secret here? You need to be on topic, really current, and, and stay there, which, as an expert, you have to do, right? Yeah. Well, I guess um, even if nobody was reading my blog, I would probably still do it because it's useful to me. <coughs> um, you, you know, I know that, you know, if I think, if I need to, you know, somebody says to me, we've got an idea about, I don't know, lions, 
and I will know at the back of my head, I'm sure somebody somewhere has just commissioned something on Lions, but I will not be able to remember it. But I know that I can search in my blog and it will come up pretty quickly. So it's like my memory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's useful for me anyway. And because it's so niche um, and I know, and because I'm kind of writing it for somebody like me, I know exactly what is useful. So, you know, I'm not trying to service I'm not trying to second guess what people want. I know exactly what they want. I, I know what's useful. And I, I'm also providing something that is they can't get anywhere else. So although I'm curating content from lots of different sources, um, what's unique about TV Mole is that, you know, there are lots of industry, very established um, industry trade magazines that, you know, talk about industry trends, talk about what's been commissioned, all that stuff. But they, they tend to be all the genres, so it's drama, um, factual, post-production, technical, and they tend to be um, geographically bounded. So, you know, Variety magazine is the big one, but that's mostly about the industry in Los Angeles. The UK one is broadcast, and that's about, you know, drama, entertainment, sport, everything, but that's about the UK, whereas what TV Molly's flips that. So I'm about only factual but anywhere in the world so what i'm doing is i'm i'm creating a shortcut for people who don't have very much time and you don't want to necessarily wade through lots of irrelevant content um i'm giving them only what they need in one place Mm -hmm. and you know in a in a scannable format in certainly in terms of the the um the newsletter the only thing i have slightly expanded it from from origi- originally um i was writing very much for tv people but i found that there's an awful lot of um independent documentary filmmakers signing up and and finding it useful as well so i've expanded slightly you know slightly out of what was then my comfort zone but now i'm very much across that area too uh, but that was you know completely in response to the people coming to the site rather than me thinking that this is what i should offer mm. I can I can tell by the way you you've talked in this interview, Nicola, that you really paid attention to the sections in Blog Mastermind on content production and plus your own background. Obviously, you talked about pillar articles and so forth. Is there anything else you can think of that you found really beneficial in, the, in terms of you know you, you learned it in the course and you actually applied it? Is there an example you can talk about that people could even potentially apply to their own blogs if they're listening in now? Um, well, I, I don't, it was, you know, as far as I got, as far as I got, it was all very useful. Um, I, maybe, maybe it was just the fact that you, you know, impressed upon us that it was a long-term, you know, um, I think, I think one of the most useful things was working out at the beginning about how often I was going to publish, and then, you know, knowing that I was going to have to stick to that, because I think you said, you know, it doesn't matter how, you know, whether you publish three posts a day or three a week, as long as you're consistent, so your audience knows what to expect. Mm. Um, and so that, that helped me work out what I was doing. Um, so I, and I have slightly tweaked it as I've gone along. So I was publishing, um, a lot of the posts I publish are very short. They're only like, you know, 100 words or something. And there'll be two or three of those a day. And I was doing that every single day of the week and then I did slightly change that to just during the working week 
um, because I was just aiming for people who were at work, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, um, I, I did start off doing a series of, which I did probably for about two years of what I called inspiration. So that was more about cultural trends that I just put up things that I thought were interesting articles or, or new books or thing, you know, or um, I don't know. Uh, you know, futurology type things that people might be able to use in a brainstorm. But I, I, I kind of ran out of steam slightly on, or ran out of time. I couldn't do that and everything else. And by this time, I was earning a living, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I kind of dropped that. And I, I also, you know, was became slightly kinder on myself about producing original content as well. I do that usually after I've been to a big festival and I've been to panels because I, I also get press passes now because that was a big surprise to me that I could just write to a big festival and say I'm TV mole <laughs> yeah. I've got this many this many readers can I have a press pass and they said yes and I, I was as astonished <laughs> I could yes. you know you're such a great example of putting in the effort to create a valuable resource over time. And you could see that you, during the early days, maybe worked a little harder on content production than you do now. But that's okay, because a new person who discovers your site today, they've got mountains of resources to go through. And they build this trust with you. They, They learn about you. They learn about what you know. They learn from you. And that's all being done because you've already created the content. And then they go, uh, well, A, maybe they just say thank you and, and move on. Or B, they look at to possibly connect with you and work with you or hire you or something like that. And it's all because of your past work. Not only that, you're also using it yourself. You're using it as a database to look up your own information. I find myself doing the same thing. I often go, wow, yeah, I forgot that I knew how to do that. I have to teach myself in, in some regard. So I'm curious, what's next for TV, TV Mobile and, and what you're doing with your, your online presence? Well, I was just going to, maybe I should go back slightly to, to mention the festivals because that might be a way that other people can, you know, um, leverage their, their blog. So by by having a readership, um, you know, and subscribers, I can go to festivals and say, you know, can I have a, have a press pass? And in return, you know, I give them some, you know, I publicise their, their festival on the front page. Um, I have it as a sticky post, so it's up for a number of weeks. And, I, and if there are particular panels to do with pitching or funding, I will publicise those for them. So that's marketing for them. But that means, you know, that, and then I, I write a couple of articles following the festival base, again, but just on my niche. I don't do film reviews or anything. It's just about, you know, there's a panel about how to pitch and this is what came out of it, or I watched a public pitching session and this is what the feedback was. Um, but because I've done that, you know, because I'm giving those festivals, I'm doing some free marketing for them and they're giving me a press pass, It, you know, I've become, in a way, part of their informal festival team. So I don't now have to apply for a press pass. They approach me and say, do I want one? Mm. And, you know, there's a bit of back scratching on Twitter if I've got, you know, things that I'm promoting, like my, my Skillshare class, for example, you know, they have in the past retweeted to all their much bigger following than I have got, you know, so, so that's a great reciprocal marketing tool. So when I said I didn't do marketing, I don't, you know, it's, it's kind of an organic, um, indirect marketing, other people marketing me rather than me marketing myself, I guess. It's because you've got preeminence. That's basically it. Like you've, you've established this, I'm an expert. People know you, they know your blog, you get all the benefits from that. In fact, I'd really 
think, and uh, maybe you know, I'm putting my coach's hat on here again. I'd love to see you develop more courses and more training products because I think you've got so much trust in your market that if you had a a range of products that you'd make a lot of sales. I really think that should be the next step. But maybe you can tell me what what do you think is your next well, step? Well, that kind of is the next step. Yeah. So what I've noticed is that you know I've I've had people who sign up for TV Mold, then they've bought my first book, and then they've bought my second book, and then I know that they've bought the, the Skillshare class and then some of those people have then come and said can we can I have one-on-one coaching so again I've accidentally I know this is this is you know what you teach but accidentally I seem to have found myself a funnel a sales funnel and um, I'm very much at the stage now where I'm wanting to create more courses but I just do not have time to do that so I'm right now too much paid work already huh well yeah paid work and keeping the blog going you know I just just too too much going on so I'm trying to free up a bit of time and I'm very much in the, in the process as we speak um trying to hire myself a virtual assistant who can do the kind of day-to-day um curating of content which will free me up to do more original stuff either original posts or develop paid classes um that I can promote directly from the website um so that is very much my next um and I have a whole you know, I've got a whole Google document with ideas for courses and some, you know, really quite fleshed out. It's just I need time to properly sit down and develop them. Yep. Um, yep. Find find the best platform for them and so on. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you can take my information product course for that one. I think, but I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you. you know it's, it, it is on my radar. It's just I need to get an assistant first. To <laughs> totally so good. Good. Yeah, that's the right way to do it. I love that you've got. All the components of a platform, like you said, the, the blog, the newsletter, you've got two books, not just one book, you've got a course that's selling, you've got speaking gigs, you've got, you're, like, you're the victim of your success in some ways, like yes. you need to sort of take away some of the work that's taking your time and start pushing that to digital product creation so you can make more money from digital and be more selective maybe with what you do for you know paid by the hours or consulting speaking so to speak but yeah you you know you've done the hard work you've built the platform um one more question nicola before we wrap it up Uh, for the people listening in you took my training program and you've you know you've studied these other courses on editing and, and book writing and so much education what's your opinion on hiring a coach or taking a program something like blog mastermind or anything like that you know, when is do you think is the right time to do that versus you know browsing free information on the internet? And do you recommend people take paid training programs? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, I think um, I think if you're really at a point where you're you're ready to do something. <laughs> um, so, for example, I really needed a platform. Um, and I didn't quite know what that involved at that stage, but it was something that I had time to do and I really want, you know, I was committed to actually putting in the work and, and actioning whatever it was. Same same with, and I guess you can read, and I do read lots of newsletters and, you know, all the time, both for my own benefit, but also because of these mentoring schemes that I run because I pass a lot of information on to other people. And I think sometimes it's all very well reading something but there's no incentive necessarily to put it into action whereas being part of a paid course where you have um you, you know you've committed money to something and therefore it will be a waste of that money um if you don't follow through and what i found most although blog mastermind didn't really have um 
have deadlines like some of the other, the other courses I've done. It was just very useful to think. Uh, I think there's an informal deadline. Maybe you know, do this this unit within a week or something. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, so that was very useful to me. So I, you know, even in my own mind, I could say I need to do this you know, by the end of this week, and then I can move on to the next thing. So for me, personally, the way that I work, I find that incredibly helpful. Um, and then I guess I get to a certain point where, yeah, I, get, I guess it's like having somebody push push you over the brow of a hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's the training course bit, and then at a certain point, I pick up enough momentum, and, it, you know, I, I can maybe run with it myself and perhaps not um, go through the whole thing because it's going, you know, it's got its own its own momentum and it's going on its own way um but I, I still completely intend to come back to the end of blog mastermind and finish it at some point but i, I think i'm because i've got a good sense of you know where it was going i think i'm all those things are kind of falling into place even if it's five years later not, <laughs> not after well, six you, months you know to be honest the whole point is to create a blog that ideally at least a full-time income from it you know maybe more you already got the result with and you only did one third of the course so i really you know i can't complain i think that's that's a brilliant result i you know i wish every one of my students could only do one third of my course and end up with the full-time <laughs> income you know and and that's great whenever it happens it happens as long as it happens so um yeah but of course the course is there to go back to whenever you want to and may, maybe in particular the the parts about creating more products will be you know relevant yes. for you so Awesome, Nicola. Um, websites for people to check out your work, uh, tvmole.com, that's M-O-L-E. Any other yes. sites we should know about? Um, no, everything that you need is on there. If you're interested in finding out how to write a proposal, then the link is there. Um, no, just just um, that's the, the only thing that you need, I think. Oh, great. Uh, Thank you uh, for telling the story. Is there anything else you, you want to give listeners before I, I say goodbye to everyone? No, I, I just say I really, you know, I'm so glad I, I did the blog mastermind course. And I, actually, I had no, <laughs> no, no perception of where it might, might lead. So I think that the, the key thing is to, you know, if you're going to take a course is to, com- to, mi- is to commit to it, to actually do it, you know, sit down and do what you're supposed to do but then you know in a way just trust the process and you know see where it leads because it you know it may not be quite I guess use it as a as a jumping off point and at some point if you're if you're doing it right and you've got your niche worked out and you're being authentic and you know the content that you're giving then you know it will start to tell you what what it needs I guess if that makes sense well, yeah, you, you're the case study that proves that, aren't you? You you followed the steps, things start to work, and you just followed the momentum of success. So, congratulations and uh, keep it up. I, I look forward to see what you do in in uh, in what is a very some, well, I wouldn't say small, but it's certainly a you specialized niche. Let's put it that way. You are giving hope to everyone else out there who might be thinking their concern, their niche isn't big enough and they'll they'll try and build a platform that just won't be anyone out there and if anything you demonstrate that that can be an advantage because everyone knows everyone in the space and they'll share your information for you and like you have you haven't done very very little proactive marketing compared to most bloggers i know it's kind of all come through your own power of referrals simply by being a good source of information and that's that's i think it only happened in the smallest specialized niches so uh yeah. you know, great example 
Uh, Nicola, thank you for joining me. You're very welcome. And uh, good luck. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. This has been an Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. You know where to find me. My name is Yaro, Y-A-R-O. You can Google that. You'll find the blog and all the other podcasts like this one to go along with it. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again on the next interview. Goodbye. Goodbye.